You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast for the independent mind and anyone who embraces life despite its absurdities. Join former attorney and professor turned Japanese papermaker Mark Reed each week as he talks with creative, inspiring, and influential people, or as he shares his own research to help make your world a little better today than it was yesterday. At the age of 18, Julie Woods was diagnosed with a, a juvenile form of macular degeneration. What that means is a vision impairment resulting from deterioration of the central part of the retina. In essence, she began seeing things in, in a blur. And in late March of 1997, at the age of 31, she was then diagnosed with inflammation of the retina due to an unknown virus. This left her legally blind. And to use her words, at this point, she says she felt she had two choices, that she could either be pitied or admired. And the first just simply wasn't an option. And in 2008, she lost the remainder of her vision. She is now totally blind. But she is someone to be admired. For starters, she is the self-described queen of cooking without looking. She is a speaker and a coach. She's uh, she went to 50 countries. She may have been to more by now, but I know she went to 50 countries before she was 50 years old, including the, the modern seven wonders of the world. She's an author. She wrote the book. I, I love this title. Why not? What a blind woman said to do you want to referee a game of nude touch rugby and more might be the best title ever. And uh, and also the book, uh, How to Make a Silver Lining, Eight Keys for Adapting to Extraordinary Change. She now has a dream to write one million names in Braille. I hope we can help add to that today um, with some listeners, some listener support. It's my pleasure and honor to, to borrow some of her time today. She joins me from Dunedin, uh, New Zealand, or as I've uh, recently learned, the Maori call their country and many Kiwis are beginning to follow suit. Here we go. I'm going to try it. Aroteoroa. Welcome, Julie, and help me pronounce how, how do the Maori and how do you say New Zealand these days? Kia ora, Mark, and kia ora, everybody from New Zealand. Uh, Aotearoa. Aotearoa. Aote, yeah. Okay. And um, it's becoming more popular. It's our indigenous name for our country. And yeah, as I think I said to you, it, it, it's the growing up of our nation. Um, we're mm. claiming back our in, indigenous. Um, status and that's one way that we're doing that and it's lovely to hear it does uh does prime minister ardern does she say that or does she say yeah, she both? does oh really yeah, she does quite a bit i heard her say it the other day actually it's it's being said more and more wow she's awesome actually <laughs> i wish we had some politicians in the states uh, that were more like her um, I try not to get political, and here I go right. No, quite game. right. We're, we're, I won't either. But, yeah, I was but, saying, we're uh, going political right. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, um, it's all good. Let me actually start this way, and that if I ask you something inappropriate or rude, just tell me. If I do it, it's purely coming from ignorance and from oblivion. It's just because I don't know. So I want to ask you legit questions, but without having to walk on eggshells. And I'm certain I'm certain that I'm going to look stupid by asking something, but uh, but, you know, I don't know. And I think a lot of my listeners don't know that maybe they don't know anyone who's gone blind and what that must mm. be like. So there is a curiosity. And so I, I want to ask you some of those questions today. 
Sure. Can I just start by saying, Mark, that when I went blind, I didn't know any other blind people either. Hmm. And for that reason, I thought blind people sat on the couch and <laughs> sat in the dark and kind of didn't do much. So that's the level of awareness I brought to my own blindness. So go for it. Always happy to um, answer any kind of questions that come from that viewpoint. Wow. That's awesome. That's a, uh, <laughs> I uh, didn't even think about that, you know. Um, hmm. See, there you go. Um, I appreciate that attitude. Well, I, I know the answer to this first one, but I but for the listener who doesn't uh, know you yet, uh, what can you see now? Absolutely nothing. Mm. Uh, it's it's not all black. It's all white. Mm-hmm. It's like looking through a foggy mirror in the bathroom when the lights turned off. Okay. Can you can you tell if if even I know, so I know that you don't have any visibility. Can you tell if there is a light on in a room when you enter it? Not very often. Hmm. No. In fact, if my husband goes away for the weekend and then I have a visitor and they turn the light on, <laughs> it's normally on when he comes back uh, a couple of days later. So no, an answer to that question. Okay. So uh, then you, you, I guess you briefly described it that, because I want to ask, like, how does your brain perceive it? You you said it's not. I think a lot of people who don't have any knowledge of uh, people who've lost, lost their sight, they actually imagine that it's total darkness. But you're saying that mm. you you in essence see see the room or where you are is totally white. right? Mm. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, which is I mean, I can't see past it or through it. I'm waving my hand now and I can't see my hand in front of me. Um, yeah, it's like driving through very, very thick fog. Right, which is zero visibility. Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you, uh, you are the queen of cooking without looking. Um, I know a little bit about this one because I'm a. Do you know the show Master Chef? It's in the U.S. Yes. Okay, yep. so you probably know then the season three winner was actually legally blind. Her name's like yes. Chris, Christina Ha, and or Christina. Great. Yeah, so I know that she would cook using other senses obviously like touch and taste mm. yeah can you describe the product because you you like to cook uh, mm. and from what i understand you you're a good you're good at it <laughs> so <laughs> describe the process of how you cook something what can you give us an example what do you cook what do i cook um well let me start by saying that when i went blind i was married with two boys age three and one and it was really that they must eat i must cook <laughs> really that moved me into that role of I mean, my mother always says master's a great master and really it was about I must cook and because I like cooking and it was something that I could do within the house I one of the first things I did as part of my rehab very very first things was learn to butter a piece of bread and put jam on it and to pour a cup of tea but in essence Mark it's around being able to focus or focusing on what you can do and not what you can't. So while I could no longer see, I could still smell, hear, taste and touch. And it's using those remaining four senses, especially in the kitchen, um, that enables me to be able to put a meal together. What do I cook? I'm just trying to think. Last night I cooked pumpkin soup um, (laughs) with crostinis for tea and I'd roasted pumpkin 
couple of nights before in the oven. So I peeled that and fried some onions, mashed up the pumpkin, added some milk. All really nice. primarily done by touch uh, and smell. Timing what? is really important with are cooking. You- are, are you doing that from from previous knowledge, or are there are there Braille uh, cookbooks? There are Braille cookbooks, but as you can imagine, it's quite easy to get them dirty when you're <laughs> cooking, and then going back to reading. In the early days, if I didn't remember it, I didn't bake it. Uh-huh. And that was why I had a recipe of truffles in my head that I kept making and making and making, and I added <laughs> I added licorice to them, and then I dipped them in chocolate, and I took them everywhere I went, and I felt sure people would be saying, there's Julie with those bloody truffles again, which is why in my book I call them those bloody truffles again. That, it's I, about, you know, I've got a, a storage box in my mind of recipes, but of course, I've also got them on my computer. I have speech software on my computer, mm. which reads the text to me. And um, also nowadays we can ask um, Alexa and right. those kind of devices as well. Oh, yeah, that's got to yeah. be handy these days. Um, gosh, I knew this would happen. I've got like a lot of questions for you, but I knew that you would say things that would make me think of a thousand other ones so like i like to cook too and so i'm already thinking something i didn't prepare or think about but in advance like when i'm getting ingredients you know i'm reading labels on you know how do you know when where the paprika is versus where the the chili powder is quite right you mean the smoked paprika (laughs) i mean i have I have, you've, you've hit on two of the spices that I have in my pantry. Simplicity is one of my core values, Mark. Mm. I like to keep things simple. I have six spices. I have them in containers where I empty the packet into the container when I buy it. Mm. And I, it also has a Braille label on it. Okay. A lot of my baking containers have Braille labels. If I can't um, read the, well, when I can't read the label, uh, I go back to memory and recognize the shape of the box or mm. what it feels like. Um, if that doesn't work, we have apps nowadays and something your listeners might be interested in is one called Be My Eyes, which oh. is an app where you, the blind person dials in, somebody mm-hmm. answers from around the world and the camera's on and the blind person points it towards the product that they want the person at the other end to read and the person wow. at the other end reads what's on the box. That's fascinating. I wow, know. That's amazing. That is amazing how far technology, how creative technology's, you know, gotten. That's that's yeah. great. And depending on the time of day, of course, you might get somebody um, in Japan or in <laughs> yeah. Ireland or or America. It's lovely. So you, you kind of meet people as well as. Um, accessing the print. Interesting. Mm. Um, it, I think I read somewhere that you said that the t- toughest part is plating the food. Or, yes. or one of them? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is because it's remembering where you've put it. If you're plating for four people, you have to be quite methodical and go potatoes, you know, seven o'clock um, when you're <laughs> plating up. But I say that, but I don't always do it. Um, Fortunately, that kind of throw everything on the plate thing is a bit more popular nowadays. So, you know, it just looks, um, what's that word? Deconstructed. Oh, yeah. That's the... That's a useful word if you're on those cooking shows. When you've screwed something up, you just say, yeah. oh, I'm, I've made deconstructed tacos. Well, that means that you, didn't, <laughs> yeah. you, you forgot the shells from the pantry or whatever. 
I make a lot of deconstructed meals. Um, yeah. Things go on, things, which is fine. That's okay. Yeah, I, I did do once. Too. <laughs> I did once serve a meal, a Chinese meal. Up, I was early days of being blind. I was tired. We got a Chinese takeaway. I put the two plates down on the bench. Forgot to move the second one over, so they were sitting on top of one another. I served the second meal, unbeknownst to me, on the bench, and went to grab the plate. And of course, I grabbed <laughs> the bench. Uh, but they're they're really frustrating things yeah, like that but they I'm don't sure. happen too often you have to be methodical mark yeah um well it's uh um there's so much i wanted to ask you about what about dreaming i'm sure you still everybody has dreams i'm sure you dream do you dream based on your your visual memory i mean do you, do you see pictures mm. in your dreams and colors yeah i do yeah i do so i go to sleep to actually see uh-huh. i dream in color hmm. I yeah I do dream from my visual memory, which is an, an interesting state, especially if it's a nightmare. Oh yeah. Mm. Mm. But it's... people who have been born blind don't have that visual memory, and they tend to dream in the way that their you know daytime experiences. They, they perceive so, the world like through yeah, sound and yeah, other. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you have a visual dream and you wake up, do you have a a feeling about that like a sort of disappointment that you're not seeing when you wake up or i roll over to my husband and say oh is that what you look like (laughs) (laughs) that's a good attitude (laughs) that kind of thing no no it's um no it's you know what dreams are like there's a sort of a bit disassociation with them isn't there well that's true too i mean the thing is i I, I tend to only remember a dream right after I wake up. So it, it's I'm really only remembering the dream I'm having right before I wake up, not any of the ones mm. I probably had throughout the night. And then I, I, I can't even, it's gone in like five minutes. Even if I try to mm. tell my wife what I was dreaming, it sounds so convoluted and like distorted and silly. <laughs> it just, I don't know. It doesn't last, you know, very long anyway um well what about um i think people are grateful for really yeah (laughs) hearing someone else's dreams (laughs) well that's true she'll tell me a dream and i'm like oh my god how much more of this does does she remember (laughs) 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 oh she listens to these i'm gonna i might have to cut that out (laughs) (laughs) no i'll leave it in um um so you mentioned before about the speech software for yes. texting and emails and stuff. Uh, I thought one cool thing that I had read about was that because you're so accustomed to it now, you kind of listen to it on like high speed, which mm. people that aren't accustomed to that, you almost get to hear your messages in private because people, their ear isn't tuned to hear a message or an email at high speed. Is that right? Quite right. Um, and they wonder how you can possibly understand it. Um, and then if you're in a group of a room with a group of blind people, then you're in trouble <laughs> oh, they because can. they can all understand it. Yeah, it has its own kind of, you know, cryptic aspect to it because the speaking rate is higher than you would have it, but mm-hmm. that's how we read. Yeah. If it's faster, then we can read quicker, huh. and that's very helpful. Well, the one question I had about that is that, um, like, you and I had communicated uh, several times through email, and yes. I, I was I was sort of conscious of the fact that I was I was emailing 
a person who wouldn't actually be reading the text I was typing. So I was sort of conscious not to do an LOL or something like that. But then I, I thought even when I sent you the Zoom link for this interview, mm. does your speech device read like the URL? Do they read like zoom.com, Q3X, yeah. blah, blah, mm. you know, all of that mm. mess? Yeah, it does. Go oh, to wow. HTTP slash blah, 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 Zoom slash. Well, how do yeah, you, it does. do you just have There's to, little... how do you go from that to, you know, to, well, you connected with me. So how did you do that? <laughs> Um, I just point the, use the down arrow to take the cursor onto the link and then I press enter and then oh, it takes it in. Click it's the just link. A, yeah, it's about, so I don't, we don't click. Um, we use key commands to navigate the cursor basically. So rather than um, dragging, we would go control home, which would take us to the top of the email. And then I'd use the arrow key to arrow down to the link that you sent through. And then I'd make sure I was sitting on that. And then I'd press enter. Hmm. Just different ways of navigating. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, it, it, it's fascinating to me because I'm sure that you had to learn. Like I know how to type. I took typing in high school. So yeah. I don't have to look at the keyboard when I type, which is nice. Um, but I can't. I do have to look at it if I'm going to hit like control, you know, alt four or whatever, if I'm going to do something complicated, I feel like you probably had to learn how to type all over again or had to yes. learn a, a new level of typing. <laughs> I had to, I learned to touch type twice as a sighted person and I cheated both times. <laughs> <laughs> and then third time when I couldn't cheat, I just had to go for it and I had to do it properly. Right. And yes, you're right. So you start with, you know, the QWERTY keyboard and then it's a, all the keys around the function keys, the control keys, the mm. home end insert. They're all very important when you're using a screen software. Hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk about what you got going on these days. You've written two books. Uh, is yes. is there a third in the works? There is. As we speak, it's called Wonderlust. Nice. A true fairy tale of Julie and Ronald, Julie Jane and Ronald visiting the seven wonders of the world. That's awesome. Ronald's your husband, correct? Yes, he is. He's my second husband. My first husband left um, after I went blind. And then Ron and I met. And Ron's an artist. Oh, wow. and an adventurer and a traveler and it was with him that um, I visited the seven wonders of the world so I've written it as a fairy tale to um, tell the story and it's also includes 20 of his illustrations nice when is that now, he illustrated at least one of your other books right yes he did he illustrated why not yes, yes. he did okay. yeah he did and it was uh, cool <laughs> um and so when is the third one? Well, you're working on it now, so you don't maybe you don't know yet when it's scheduled to come out or do you have a? I, I've, I've just applied for the ISBN and I told the National Library here in New Zealand that it would be published in December. Oh, wow. Awesome. OK. Mm. Um, and then tell us about the the one million names in Braille project. This is very cool, I think. Nice. So part of that journey of visiting the seven wonders of the world took Ron and I to India 
Mm-hmm. And it was while we were here, I started writing the names of people, our guides in Braille, as a gift to give them, Mark. You know, when you travel around and you want to sh- show someone some appreciation, right. I started writing the names of our guides in Braille. And it was while we were in a hotel in India, in Agra, we'd just visited the Taj Mahal, our fourth wonder of the world. Mm-hmm. And we we're in this big hotel and we got lost because they're massive over there. And this lovely young porter called Needy Pandy would help. She would find us and she would help us get back to our room. I said to Ron that night, I'm going to write Needy Pandy's name in Braille. How do you spell that? <laughs> <laughs> and we had to ring reception and we phoned reception and I got her name. And the next morning when I gave it to her she cried and she said words cannot describe how I'm feeling at this time and I thought wow that's a really big response from a little act of braille kindness (laughs) and um, so we finished uh, traveling our seven wonders and on the 27th of March 2017 I turned 20 years blind And a couple of months beforehand, I was listening to a radio interview here in New Zealand with a um, an interviewer was interviewing Francis Salol, who was a mental health nurse. And he had taken a year off work to raise awareness of mental health. And he was going to paint one million paintings. Mm. And I thought, wow, one million paintings. That's very cool what could I do? And I <laughs> thought, know, I know, I could write names. one million names in Braille. There you go. Yeah, so I wrote on a piece of paper in Braille, um, write one million names in Braille, and I placed it in a jar in my office. Hmm. And since then, I've been writing names of everybody that I come in contact with, Jacinda. Um, Adern, of course, and when she had her baby Neve, I sent her name and Neve's name to her. Britain, you know, everybody that I come in contact with, Mark, I write right. their names. I've seen them all over the world. They've gone to 35 countries already. Wow. And just the other day, we had a very cool number. I've also have some women who are helping me write names in Braille too, some volunteer producers. We get together once a month on Zoom. And our total uh, recently was 22,222. Wow. So there's still a long way to go. That is. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Wow, that's very cool. Have you sent one to Japan yet? I met a Japanese person when I was traveling and gave it to them. But yes, oh. I'd love to send it to you in Japan. <laughs> well, I wasn't trying Why to. Why not? You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the, the buck for sure. I, actually, yeah, no. or, I, or yeah. the 10 bucks, actually. They're the, well, I want the listeners to know, you, I mean, you can go do this for just a buck, right? Just get your name in yeah. Braille and yeah. then uh, and to become a part of the Million Names in Braille project. So whoever's listening to this, you know, it's a buck. Go to the website. Uh, uh, remind me of the website name. That blind woman. Dot co. Yep. Dot. Is it okay? Yeah. That blind woman. Dot co. Dot nz. Right. Dot nz. If you're an American, and if you're oh, sorry, NZ. no, no, it's don't be sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize on behalf of Americans who just refuse to adopt Z as the last uh, letter in the alphabet. But yes, 
thatblindwoman.co.nz if you're an American or NZ if you're everybody else. And uh, <laughs> go there and for just a buck, get your name in Braille. How cool is that? And then if you if you got 10 bucks, I think you can get what, like a bookmark or something? Yeah, you can. That's right, Mark. And that includes your first name and your surname. Or nice. a company name is always a good thing to put on a bookmark as well. Nice. Um, okay. Well, at the end of each uh, episode, what I, I do, uh, a little segment called Five Minute Zen. And I usually tailor my question for whomever I'm speaking with. And my question for you, Julie, is uh, what advice do you have for folks that are suddenly faced with extraordinary life change? And I, I don't mean, you know, what's step one so that you don't sink down into a pit of despair? I mean, let's say it's something tragic. You lose your spouse or you lose your sight or whatever it is, but you're faced with an unplanned, extraordinary change in your life. What, what's your advice for step one? In my book, How to Make a Silver Lining, where I identified eight keys for adapting to extraordinary change, the first key I identified was ask for help. Hmm. For me, going blind meant that I asked for help at the Royal New Zealand Foundation of the Blind, as it was known then. And hmm. that meant that I was connected with support. And I moved towards a group of people who were now like me. And that's key number two, hmm. if I can squeeze that one in as well, sure. is, fi is find peer support. Yeah, Finding other people who are like you. When I was partially sighted mark from the age of 18 to 31 i didn't belong anywhere i didn't mm. belong in the world of the blind i didn't belong in the world of the sighted and it wasn't until i went blind that i moved towards this new group of people who were now like me other blind people mm. and that was hugely liberating i said to you at the beginning i didn't know any other blind people I didn't have any reference points. I didn't know what blind people were capable of. Mm -hmm. And it was really important to be with these other people that were living with the same uh, issues and situation that I was in. And, and I found that, I mean, I found it really liberating because other blind people were doing the things that I thought I couldn't. Yeah. And they inspired me to take action. And so I think that, that's a really important thing. Yeah, there uh, I, I'm hearing that basically there was a community there that you didn't even maybe realize was there, but there was a no, community, right? No. Cool. And I think that often happens. Yeah. That there is a community and I didn't get any support when I was partially sighted. There was nowhere for me to go. And mm. then when I went blind, there was this place that was all, all they were concerned about was supporting people with their vision loss and rehabilitating them. Yeah, so I think that it's very easy to feel alone when you go through anything. So if you can find others like you, hmm. it's really good. Nice. I love that advice. Uh, I think that that uh, that goes for almost anything that you might be going through that seems, you know, extraordinary or uh, hmm. an, an unfortunate or an extraordinary circumstance. Well, where hmm. where can people find you? Uh, how can they follow you on social media? Where can they buy those books? Um, you know, how can they get their name in Braille? Let's go ahead and repeat it again. Might as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll pronounce it properly this time. <laughs> so my website is that blind woman, T H A T 
B-L-I-N-D-W-O-M-A-N.co.nz. I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn as well under Julie Woods. And you can email me. That's a really good way to get in contact with me. Julie at thatblindwoman.co.nz. And that's J-U-L-I-E. Okay. I'll put all that stuff in the notes so that if anyone's listening to this, they can, uh, you know, they can uh, go find you on Facebook and, uh, uh, and especially go find your website. And um, so do that folks go. uh, And also I, I, I I do have to ask while we got just a minute, a couple of minutes left, you did referee a new (laughs) rugby. What what happened? (laughs) (laughs) When I, went blind I was wandering around the corridor at the blind foundation and the recreation advisor came up to me and she said Julie do you want to go away cross-country skiing with a group of blind people and I thought cross-country skiing that sounds really dangerous something might happen to me Uh, and I said no and I went home and I sat on the couch and I thought you stupid woman what kind of blind person are you going to make if you turn down opportunities that come your way I decided that I would say why not from that moment on to anything that came my way including do you want to referee a game of nude touch rugby Uh, so it was that I went out and refereed the match between the nude blacks and (laughs) England (laughs) and of course the players were naked and I wasn't I blew my whistle and they would run around the fully clothed streaker came onto the field Uh, fortunately (laughs) there was a naked policeman on duty so he arrested the fully clothed streaker and of course the the usual chant of you know when I blew the whistle against the nude blacks and the crowd weren't very happy with me they would go out boo what are you blind or something ref Wow. That was kind of how it went. And it was fun, Mark. So is that, uh, are those stories in that first book, the Why Not book? They are. They okay. are. And they they are the illustrations that Ron did. So there's some nude touch rugby refereeing <laughs> um, pictures in there or illustrations in there as well. One of the best moments of my life. And just a reminder that saying why not is a way of a response that can take us out of our comfort zone. Mm. And that's really important in times of extraordinary change to move you from the couch and get you doing something that really you think you can't do, but you commit to it by mm. saying why not, and then you go for it. And that's- I'd love to hear if anyone says why not to something and, and um, goes through with it. Please let me know. That's awesome. Actually, I, I had an episode that was that that used why not as a. Uh, uh, motivation. It's it's how my wife and I came to buy this house. We were we were lived in the city, and uh, we were looking at this house, which is kind of in the rural area. And then mm. I I had encountered a woman who had that philosophy years ago, like why not just do it? If it doesn't work out, well then you change, you do something else. So I said that to my wife, and then so we're like, okay, well why not? So we bought a house. <laughs> and and. And we love it. It's great. Uh, this is the best yeah. house I've ever lived in. Yeah, but, um, see, but yeah, exactly. Well, that is, I, I think people got two for the price of one today. That's two five minutes ends there. One of them is uh, <laughs> find support, you know, find mm. support, find your community. And then the second one is ask yourself, why not? And just go for mm. it. I love it. Mm. Well, folks, uh, that's it. Um, first, go get your name in Braille for a buck. Do that first. And when you're when you've done that, I'm sure you'll uh, 
you have three bucks left over, go to patreon.com slash Zen Sandwich, become a supporter of the show. When you do, I'll mail you a postcard on washi. That's traditional Japanese paper that my wife and I make here in Japan. And I'll send that postcard to you wherever you are in the world. And I'll give you a shout out on the show. Uh, Julie, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for the, uh, um, you know, give, giving us some insight into what it's like. And uh, for the five minutes Zen inspiration, you really are an inspiration and not because you're blind, you're an inspiration because of how you've handled it. It's, it's, it's admirable. Thank you, Mark. And I always say that when I went blind, I thought my life had ended, but little did I realize that it only just begun. Um, yes. Yeah, so that's a great uh, lesson to take from, from any of the experiences that happened to us. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, um, I'll have to have you back on when that third book comes out. Thank you. That would be lovely. Why not? Why not? There you go. <laughs>